making your way in this industry by brewing great beer in the styles that you enjoy drinking is the dream of any brewer. And if others enjoy those beers too, then all the better. And that's the approach that Theo Frain, founder of the Deo Brewing Company, has taken since day one. Starting out in 2015, the brewer has firmly established itself as one of the UK's leading lights, producing incredibly popular hazy parallels and IPAs, as well as lagers and mixed fermentation releases. The quality of these beers has enabled the business to grow to a point where it has now expanded into a new 25,000 square foot premise in Cheltenham, complete with a 40 hectolitre four vessel brew house. And that's not to mention the 2,000 square foot destination tap room that will be ready to welcome visitors whenever the time is right. In this episode of the Brewers Journal podcast, Theo talks about the principles that Dea is based on, connecting with the local community and the ways the brewery has navigated the coronavirus pandemic. Starting out, Theo says his goal was for Dea to become one of the best breweries in the UK, and if demand for their beers is anything to go by, it looks as if they may have achieved just that. Brewers Journal editor Tim Sheehan Journey to the Deo Brewing Company to meet with Theo and his team. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brewers Journal podcast. Today we are with Theo Frain, founder of Deo Brewery, and we are in the brewery's original site, home to its original tap room as well. And I've got to tell you, opposite, they're more fantastically impressive facility and tap room it's uh it, it's a great site so uh theo thanks for having us here today yeah thanks so much for coming down it's obviously been a challenging couple of months recently i mean we're going to get onto that in a moment but tell me i mean five years or so into into the brewery's journey you know is it at the point where you you thought it'd be by now yeah i think so i mean five years has definitely felt like a long time and probably a short time at times as well, but definitely a lot's happened. And um, we've been pretty fortunate to be able to move to a new site and expand, move on in terms of brew kit. And yeah, we've been we've been really, really lucky, I think, um, especially with what's happened with COVID as well. Being up and running before COVID on the new site was incredible for us. So yeah, so, so tell us about that, because obviously the last loosely say four months has, you know, they've impacted every type of business so uh tell us about your personal experiences yeah i think everyone's been so affected and not just our industry but you know every industry has been so badly affected but we i think the first few weeks that lockdown came we were very very concerned very worried um it looked very bleak i'd say but since then we've been we've been okay uh business wise we've been okay um we've managed a lot of canning and a lot of cans online so that's been a real positive for us and been able to start working with bottle shots directly as well, which is really, really cool. And we've got more volume. We managed to get a new canning line in to allow for more canning because we were struggling on our old canning line with the volumes. And so... So you invested and installed we've invested, canning line? Yeah, yeah. And we had to turn around pretty quickly as well, considering, you know, what was happening. And we got a deeper, we got a new canning line and yeah, we've been fine. I mean, obviously this whole situation is not ideal for anyone, but all things considered... I do feel pretty fortunate that we've been fine as a business. You know, we've been able to keep going. Most of the production site uh, staff, sorry, are on site working. Everyone seems reasonably happy, I'd say, which is a big thing. And 
I suppose it's been difficult for a lot of people personally, I'd say, during this period, which is probably not spoken about as much. No. Uh, everyone's talking about all the different businesses and stuff like that. But um, yeah, no, it's been all right. We've been fine. Yeah. And what was the pivot from sort of, you know, keg and small pack to exclusively small pack volumes? So, so we were in the midst of moving from here, where we are now in our old site, to the new site. So because we hadn't got the canning line over there on the new site, we were basically just keg over there. So obviously, as soon as lockdown happened, kegs just went completely out the window. So that was, normally, we would be about 60% keg. And changing from 60% keg to zero keg, so 100% cans, is a massive change. So that put a lot of different pressures on different areas of the business. So obviously canning, but then packing off from the canning line, packing orders, making up boxes of web shop and stuff like that. And then we had people doing jobs that were, which they're not normally doing. So our web shop has been very busy, which has been incredible for the business, you know, incredible for us as a company. But then you've got so much more work in that area, which we didn't previously have, because normally we'd just be kegging off to distribution and then distribution into pubs. So it's just very different. But we've been able to be flexible. Everyone here has been amazing. So we've, yeah, we've really pulled together as a team and been able to navigate a very, it's just a weird time, isn't yeah. it? It's like everything's so strange. No uh, evenings are just not normal. Weekends are just not normal. And what we're doing here isn't normal apart from we're, we're brewing the beer. But yeah, it's different, very different. And obviously the, the online shop has long been a popular you yeah. know, channel for, for the beers. I mean, mm-hmm. how do you strike that balance between obviously selling direct to the consumer, mm-hmm. but we've been you know, balancing it with you know, going out a bit to distribution and also direct to, to bottle shops? Yeah, that's a constant balance we're trying to strike. I think... When we had really small volume here in our original site, it was probably easier just to have that definitive line between this is what we got available, this is what we don't. Now we've got more beer. We're trying to work out exactly what works with the demand level. And we do sell a lot on site and through the online shop. So we're sort of, well, we have prioritized that. That's the most important thing for us in terms of our business. But we also want to service those bottle shots, which we haven't been able to do previously. Sure. When we were here, say a year ago, it was pretty much all on site through the web shop. I'm counting the web shop as on site as well, because essentially it's the same thing, direct to consumer. So we want to be able to service those bottle shots more going forward, which we're doing now, but then also factor in distribution. We're just quite reluctant at the moment to go back into keg because keg's the main thing for us with distribution. We don't really have massive plans to distribute our cans at this stage apart from maybe some core brands, but most of the cans we want to do ourselves or through the bottle shops that we work with directly. So we're building up good relationships with them, which is good. And do you think, is that or should that be a sign of things to come for other breweries as well? I think it's a very individual thing at the moment about how breweries are going about things. I mean, I think some breweries would have been thinking about lowering volumes, but then with the information that's come out recently, with what might happen with beer duty, people might even be reconsidering that. So it's such an uncertain time. I think if you're a big brewery, it'd be even more difficult because there's so many uncertainties and so many issues to be dealing with. All I can say from our perspective is we're probably going to do more cans going forward. We're probably going to be a bit more wary of outside forces. As I think before, we had really strong demand and we were quite happy just to probably, you know, with the expansion we just done, we were happy just to go forward as opposed to re- well, obviously we're thinking about what's going on and where we want to be as a business but we wanted to become we wanted to build a new site that it'd be a better 
workspace basically in a better brewery and produce more volume and it was all you know it's quite simplistic in a way but now we're having to consider so many different things and that does make you really think about how much beer you want to make you know what sort of styles or whatever it is instead of just going right we can just make more beer so i think people have to be more considerate about what they're doing but the big breweries i I don't know what they'd be thinking yeah and tell us i mean what what led to the choice of of going into 500 mil cans early on because obviously 440 is the norm these days and 500 mil is actually celebrated by a lot of people when there is that little bit more left in the can when they previously wouldn't expect it 500 mils for us was mostly an aesthetic thing i'd say we saw all the breweries that were making the styles that we wanted to make so the hazy ipas were doing 16 ounce cans i think they are so like the tall boy american style cans and then, so we had the choice in 440s or 500s, and we chose 500s. I think part of that was just a standout. I think we were discussing earlier, I think, you know, you've got to, you've got to stand out somehow. And a lot of that, a lot of our decisions were basically just to make a slight difference to how, you know, other breweries were offering things. So if we could offer something that was slightly different, that gave us a, a way of standing out. That was sort of the reason behind it. Yeah. yeah. And obviously with these recent months, obviously tap rooms have crossed the land of, you know, had sadly had to shut the doors. Mm. Is is that one of the biggest things you've missed from running a brewery, have that sort of interaction with the consumer? Yeah, definitely. Not having the, um, you know, the personal interaction with people has been really difficult. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just a weird time. I mean, normally we're sitting in our old tap room now. Normally this would be absolutely packed every Friday, every Thursday, every Saturday, and it's amazing. And it really offers people an opportunity to come on site and drink the beers and to interact with the staff and understand what we're about as a company and understand what our beers are about. And that's been completely taken away. So it's just a very bizarre situation because we normally would have that constant interaction with our consumer, which we just don't have anymore. So that is difficult. I mean, online gives you that to an extent. I mean, you can chat with people online. We sell a lot online, so we deal with a lot of customers and things like that, which again, provides its own challenges. But it's not the same to just being able to like share a beer with someone and be able to talk to them about it. And has this pandemic informed or altered the approach to the, the new tap room that I suppose really hasn't managed to yeah. kind of get, get running as much as you'd like? Oh, we're, we're quite reluctant to do draft beer because I don't think we'd be able to offer the same experience. And there's quite a lot of factors why we're not opening the tap room up for draft beer. I think there's, there's too many negatives at the moment to actually open the site. But one thing is is that the actual experience that people will have coming to the brewery will be so different to what it would be before the pandemic so we're a bit concerned about okay we're doing last week we opened for takeaway only which is fine you know it worked reasonably well it did work really well actually it worked well people come in and everyone was very respectful and well behaved and polite and everything and that was great but it's not what that space was built for we, we want a tap room where it's communal and it's fun and it's a great atmosphere and there's good music on and everyone's having a good time and everyone feels at home and stuff like that and we can't provide that service so it's the same but different isn't it yeah exactly and And it's like i don't know when we'll be able to provide that so i don't know when we want to open i don't know if we're being indecisive or just it doesn't feel right to open it basically at this time and there's there's obviously health reasons as well which is it the right thing to do from a social point of view i don't know i think nobody can you know criticize you for a wait and see attitude yeah and pubs and 
different pubs that opened and the experience is fine. Like I went to Left Hand Giant a couple of weeks ago and it was a good experience down there. But running it is different than your own consumer experience. I, I had a great time there, but if it's your business and you're running it, it's very diff- different to just going and having a beer. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So the here and now, obviously, we've got this you know fantastic new facility. Um, for the people that can't, obviously can't be here today, can you explain a bit more about the sort of its output capabilities and some of the technology that helps it tick? Yeah, so the step up from this site here uh, to the new one is quite significant. In terms of volume, we go from a 15 hectolitre brew house to a 40 hectolitre brew house. The new brew house is four vessels, so it's a sort of German-inspired technology, but it's actually built in China. It's a lot more efficient. You can get a lot more brews through in a 24-hour period. It's fully automated. And who supplied that? SSV. So SSV have been fantastic throughout the whole thing in terms of install and planning and getting the whole site up and running. And we were very fortunate we got everything sorted before COVID hit and the brew kit's been fantastic. Yeah, so the, so the capabilities of the new brew house are just night and day compared to our old brew kit. Sure. On the old site, it was very uh, manual, quite basic, but still, you know, good. And it was it was fine. Um we really loved working here and enjoyed brewing on that kit. But now taking that step up, it's just a massive step up for the whole company. It makes a massive difference to everyone's working day. Being able to work on equipment like that, which is just really high tech, really well manufactured and stuff like the cellar. If you compare the fermentation tanks here and working around them to the to what we have on the new site, the floor is just a different level. The tanks are so much easier to work on. Everything's just a lot easier and better. So I think overall that should then come into the beers and the beers should get more consistent and better as we grow, which is really important. And were there any early lessons in kind of dialing in existing recipes on the new brew yeah, house? Yeah, definitely. I think that's... Gareth was saying the other day, I was, he did an interview with um, on the Cloudwater Live thing. He was saying that was probably the most stressful thing for him, being the head brewer. It's like replicating, because obviously we've been brewing here for sort of four years. So we got the beers to a sort of level that we were happy with. But over there, then you can't, you're dealing with a whole new set of parameters and it is very different. So doing that is quite a stressful thing. But I think we've actually done a reasonable job of getting the beers up to the same standard or if not better than what they were. I think Steady Rolling Man, because we brew it so regularly, or we brewed it so regularly and we do now, brewed it so regularly on the old kit and brew it regularly on the new kit, that one was quite difficult because we know it so well. We know all the parameters of it so well. So it's it quite difficult to get exactly where it is. But I think... The most recent batches have been really, really good on that. But actually, some of the other styles, I think, immediately were better, which is interesting. So like the double IPAs, I prefer on the new kit almost immediately, which is which was quite crazy, actually. Because I was really worried as well that the beers would be completely different. But they're not actually that different, no. which is quite nice. Like the first double IPA we did was with a collab with Verdant Track and Finback. And that's, I think, probably been one of my, our most well-received differs we've ever done. That was a popular one. Yeah, very popular popular one. Yeah. It's uh, obviously before Dare as well, you know, you've got experience of having an internship at um, Odell in Fort Collins in Colorado, one of the most sort of respected craft breweries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what experiences do you you really lean on from there, you know, in your time at Dare? So I was very fortunate to go out there. I think some of the biggest experiences I took back was being able to experience American beer culture was very interesting for me at that time. I was very uh fixated on what american breweries or just like the whole atmosphere around it just like the amount of interest breweries had how big they were 
all the different styles or the, I don't know, it was just so exciting. And then internally in the brewery, just the focus on quality from every different member of their uh, workforce was incredible. So you had the delivery drivers who were so into it and wanted to make a difference and that was incredible. And then you had the brew team who were just incredible and um, the level of attention to detail and focus on quality was was really something that stayed with me. And then when we started here, you know, you can start in a small brew house and with a small team, but you can still set the right parameters that allow you to be create good beer, I think. So even though it was very different, what I learned there definitely set me on the right path of trying to create something that was that was worthwhile. And actually last year they all came and visited here when they did a trip to England. I was so gonna say, did they know that you've set up your own Yeah, yeah. Room? So Odell came over for Magic Rocks Seshfest. And there was like 15 of them. So they do this thing where every five years, or if you've been an employee for five years, you get a trip to Belgium or England, I think it is. I could be wrong. It could be like three years, five years. Anyway, they were all over. There was like 15 of them. And a lot of them I had worked with for a little bit. So they all came here and we did a massive lunch with them and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, so they all looked around. So we hadn't opened the new site. So it was just like a shell. So we showed them that and they're all loving it. Wow. But you know what Americans like? They're excited about everything. So <laughs> Next time a collab, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, at some point. But no, it was a really amazing experience. I'd love actually some of the guys who work here to go over there at some point. That's something that we're looking at doing and maybe try and develop that relationship further. Yeah, I think I just learned so much, so much good stuff from over there that America's still quite far ahead in a lot of different ways, even though there's amazing breweries now in the UK. But a lot of those breweries in the US are quite entrenched and quite big now. And the lessons that they've learned can definitely be passed down, which is cool. I mean, Adele have obviously demonstrated, you know, excellent staying power. Mm-hmm. Um, despite obviously the advent of, of so many new breweries um, mm-hmm. in, in the US. I mean, for you, I mean, how important is it as a brewery to to diversify and to, and to kind of keep keep people interested and mm-hmm. obviously, you know, make the beers yeah, yeah. that interest you as well? Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting thing for us going forward because we essentially have focused on one area of brewing, which is hazy IPAs and pale ales and sort of double IPAs coming to that as well. So I think it's really important for us to to show that we can do other stuff, to brew the beers that we're really interested in brewing as well. So so we, we started brewing more Pilsners, so just really good uh, clean lagers, English-style beers, which we just had, the ESB, and mixed fermentation beers. So we see those as our key areas of focus going forward. Those are the beers that we love drinking. Those are the beers that we're most interested, challenging ourselves from a production point of view. And I think it's also a way of building our brand and our company that we're not just um, known for one thing. But I also do think it is a really good thing to be known for one thing. So breweries that are just focusing on one style, we had a brief discussion about this earlier. I have a lot of respect for that because I think now, especially with loads of new breweries or loads of breweries just in general, it's really important to be known for something, but also important to be good at something as well. And it's not easy for like consumers probably... Oh, they probably appreciate it a bit, but it's not easy to be good at loads of different things in, or loads of different styles in brewing. It takes a lot of focus. It takes a lot of potential different equipment or processes or for mixed fermentation beers, you need barrels, you need space, you need time or, you know, whatever it is. It, it's difficult to produce a lot of different beers in different styles to a really, really high standard. But that is basically what we want to do. So our goal is to have really, really amazing hoppy beers, amazing lagers, mixed firm. English styles and then some other weird stuff chucked in as well to make it interesting. But I think my overall goal 
in terms of the beer is that when someone comes into the tap room and we have 20 draft lines on, we have loads of variety, but they're all incredible. Sure. So that would be the, from a general point of view, that's our, that's our goal. But I think steady is always going to be the, the, the main sort of breadwinner, so to speak. That's going to make up 50% of our volume. Probably. It's great so. to have a flagship, you know, yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think so. Something you're known for. I mean, you yeah. you previously told us you kind of questioned the sort of ceiling that you know hazy hazy beers have. Mm. Really, I mean, where do you think we are at in in a sort of the market at that point? I don't know. I think that's such an that's going to play out over the next two three years, isn't it? It's like I don't know where that is or what's happening there. Yeah, I think there's so many breweries making good hazy IPAs now, which is great. But I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to stop or continue or whatever. I don't know. As long as demand's there. Yeah, demand's there. And I think the new consumers love those styles. Yes. So probably that style is growing with the new consumers. And that's considered the default IPA now. A hazy IPA is now probably the default IPA. I don't know, we're part of the problem. (laughs) No, no, I mean, you know, it's... It sells, there's demand, and there's there's a lot of really well-made. Do you think the style sometimes gets... Uh, unjustly criticized for being a beer that you can have you know make full of yeah. flaws and still push yeah, out. yeah definitely and i think there's a lot of chat around it as well which is just interesting it's just noise around the style which is funny yeah i think so i think a well-made beer is a well-made beer it doesn't matter what it is like if you make a pilsner that's well made it's a pilsner that's well made you make a hazy ipa that's well made it's well made i mean we make really good work here that's proved in the other styles that we do and we're really proud of the beers we make steady rolly man would be a great beer without all the dry hop but it does have a lot of dry hop so that's the way it is (laughs) sure sure i suppose you've already touched on it but to conclude i mean what are the ambitions you know it's been a big first five years what are the ambitions for the next five yeah i think for now we want to continue to grow and expand what we're doing as a brewery in terms of beer but also as a company in terms of how we are internally i think creating a workplace that people want to be here externally how can we become a really great business to to our local community or what's outside of our usual consumer base so i think the next five years is potentially even more challenging than the first five years the first five years was just try to get to the point where we're an established brewery and i think we're getting towards that point but now we're going to establish ourselves as a really really top top brewery beer wise but also a really top company to work for so that's a big challenge for us internally and i guess externally as well yeah Well, Theo, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thanks so much. Cheers. The Brewers Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media. This episode was introduced by me, John Young. The producer and editor was Tim Sheehan. Production assistance from Velo Mitrovic. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. And Rory Harris is our executive producer. Many thanks this week to Theo Frain and the team at the Dea Brewing Company.